0: Hi there, welcome to Typical Books. I'm Lydia Peaver, and this is the podcast mirror of my YouTube show, Typical Books, where we talk about horror fiction. So on with the show. Hi there, today on Typical Books, I'm going to talk about the book, Rebecca, by Daphne du Maurier. It is a typical book. Now I've got the dust jacket off because I find it made for much better reading. The dust jacket, as you can see back here, it is a double day edition I'm not sure if it's a book club edition that I own so if anyone could uh, enlighten me as to what edition this is because it simply says 1938 it has an ISBN and it actually identifies her as uh, Daphne de Maurier Browning which isn't really a, a name that she went by so I'm quite curious about this edition I often find reading the books without the dust jacket on it prolongs the life of the the dust jacket itself and the book and I I like the idea of just reading a plain black book. You see I've been trying to be a little bit gentle with this instead of using any sort of bookmark that could mar it. I've been using these really um, nice and simple little flag tags I don't know what you call them little 3m products that stick on little highlighter tags commonly used for documents and contracts and, and the like but uh yeah I found that fun because I went back and actually created a Pinterest card on one of the most popular quotes of Max de Winter uh near the big reveal at the end but before I get into this I want to talk about a book I received in the mail behind the horror by Lee Meller and now Dr. Lee Meller two stories that inspired horror stories uh, a very straightforward title it is as advertised it is a book of horror stories of true crime that were made into films so uh i've been a follower of dr lee meller before i even knew i was a follower of dr lee meller because i read the magazine he spearheaded serial killer quarterly because much like a black hardcover book with no name on the front and just on the spine uh, if i were ever to be spotted reading i would like to have that in my hand or a copy of serial killer quarterly because who wouldn't Uh, it was a fantastic mag and um, beyond that uh lee had started uh murder was a case podcast of which i'm a patron and i really love that as far as true crime it is doubly disturbing uh beyond a lot of the true crime uh podcasts that you may listen to that i often listen to they cut short of offending the audience and it's not that lee would ever be intentionally saying things to offend people for the most part is how to educate people and he's not going to whitewash facts ever so i really appreciate that and i appreciate the education angle of course because while he was a phd student he was uh, working on this podcast and it was just produced very well and and lee is just a very uh, a consummate professional on one hand and on the other hand just a very uh, about the facts when it comes to murder and abnormal psychology and heinous heinous murder because this is a man that specializes in necrophilia right so very interesting gentleman very interesting book and i was so excited because when he was first teasing that this was out he had even said oh this is going to be one that you're interested in lydia and yeah i am on a horror movie podcast for those that don't know uh, on splatterpictures.net dead air podcast i've plugged it before me and wes are on hiatus like many other things because we tune we tend to record in person we sit down we watch the movie then we hit the record button after right so there's no real way around that in this pandemic but he talks about some films in here that i've not seen and amy may spank me i've not seen rope by hitchcock I've seen Psycho, of course, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I have not seen M, City Searches for Murder. And I've jumped around here because Lee has arranged this in chronological order. I've not seen Frenzy. And when I got to Frenzy, I was like, well, you know, there's quite a few uh, Hitchcock movies, obviously, that I haven't got to already. So I had noted on Twitter that, hey, this is letting me know that like just from the table of contents alone i've missed some great hitchcock films and in the back of my mind was rebecca because that is on our list to watch this weekend it's a movie i've never seen because i kept telling myself i would read the book first and i watched the opening credits of the film and i cannot wait because it looks perfect and so i'm going to go on a little bit of a hitchcock binge. i think i'll read this first because it's not that i don't know the stories that he's going to talk about but i haven't seen the films and for the most part i have seen the films, so i may do another video on some of these movies or maybe some other stories that i might have expected to see in here or if there's ever going to be like a follow-up to this so i'm very excited to read this after the horror in 24 readathon is over And then i will uh, enlighten y'all and in the meantime if you're interested in true crime definitely check out murder was a case podcast and pick up a copy of behind the horror by dr lee miller so back to rebecca as i said i have not seen the film but i did watch the opening and i couldn't not watch the opening because if you've ever had your doubts about reading rebecca read the first couple pages. The first line is that seminal line that is so uh, evocative to many people. And yes, it's a example of good writing, but it doesn't really open your imagination the way that I expected it to. But no one really talks about how that first chapter is gothic horror and even a Stephen King tradition in and of itself, where she talks about the plant life surrounding Manderley, the giant mansion, if you will, the cottage perhaps the uh, giant home of the de winters this is where when i say uh, like a stephen king tradition there's a a lot of talk about how he describes houses and uh, specifically houses in salem's lot and just the way he describes thing where um houses and architecture and even furniture can become a character within a novel and That tradition comes from the Gothic, and this is a really good example of just that, where she's describing the flowers surrounding the house. The rhododendrons stood 50 feet high, twisted and entwined with bracken, and they had entered into alien marriage with a host of nameless shrubs, poor bastard things that clung about their roots as though conscious of their spurious origin. A lilac had mated with a copper beech, and to bind them yet more closely to one another, the malevolent ivy, always an enemy to grace, had thrown her tendrils about the pair and made them prisoners. Ivy held prior place in this lost garden, the long strands crept across the lawns, and soon would encroach upon the house itself. There was another plant too, some half-breed from the woods, whose seed had been scattered long ago beneath the trees and long forgotten, then now marching in unison with the ivy, thrust its ugly form like a giant rhubarb toward the soft grass where the daffodils had blown that's like a paragraph and i was taken i was transfixed i was sold i absolutely love this book if i hated everything else after that first chapter i would still claim that i love this book Now i will say it gets a 102 on the book score so five out of five stars and who'd have guessed right i'm unsurprised it is a classic for a reason it's never been out of print for a reason it is a wonderful example of a perfect gothic story if you ask me now rebecca is the story of this narrator unnamed the future mrs de winter who is in france as a traveling companion to a mrs van hopper and a mrs van hopper who i believe is nouveau riche because she comes across as extremely uncouth very brash and very mm, enterprising as far as who there is to know at this resort that she's at and she's not necessarily trying to play cupid or marry off her traveling companion i think she would want that girl as a maid for the rest of her life if she could have her because it's Uh, uh, quick and easy to abuse scapegoat scapegoat again being the title of another Daphne du Maurier book my grandmother owned Rebecca maybe other Daphne du Maurier a book of short stories and the scapegoat and I don't remember trying to tackle Rebecca and I wish I had but I read the scapegoat when I was way too young and I don't it was way over my head I could not absorb any of it I did the same thing with uh, the Odyssey so yeah i read it when i was like maybe six or seven i could barely read but i could read enough to try and tackle these big hardcovers on a dreary weekend but yeah i had tried reading Daphne du Maurier when i was just way too young but that that theme of somebody being in the shoes of another whether by design or by accident then this sort of theme takes hold once the narrator, the unnamed woman, the future Mrs. De Winter, meets Maxim De Winter, partially because of her brash and uncouth headmistress, who pairs her off with him by inviting him to sit with them for lunch. He's distracted. He's a recent widower. He doesn't really want much to do with the conversation, but I guess she had caught his eye. So over the next few days, they take off because her mistress becomes ill with some sort of flu or whatever and is bed bound and the descriptions of Mrs. Van Hopper I really enjoy because she is just oh what a beast of a woman uh i would do anything to get away from a woman like that quite honestly so i can understand why our narrator who is unnamed and i've said that a few times it is a point that people bring up quite often they try and guess at her name people guess that her name might have also been rebecca people guess that her name is daphne according to the author it just had never struck her to give her a name she got to the end without having given her a name had an idea in the back of her mind and then simply forgot to name her. I can totally believe that it's seems to be a device so she's not meant to have a name and I don't know why the author would say that if she had meant otherwise why lie Uh, over the things that Demoria had to say about her writing not that I'm an expert she didn't strike me as a liar or someone who would say things to uh, deliberately stir up her audience I believe she's shot from the hip and that you know she forgot she forgot to give her a name but she maybe was so meek she didn't deserve a name in a way she reminded me a lot of the girl in the film repulsion and some people would have to say they didn't really get where this character was coming from she's so very meek she lives in her head she's telling most of this story from it's all from her point of view but she's telling a lot of it in made up scenarios that don't actually happen. And she's just imagining how people would interact or if she were to do this, this is how this would happen or this fairy tale scenario, this is how she would imagine it. So she is definitely a 100% meek church mouse, wallflower. She is like the number one cover girl for wallflowers if there were to be such a thing so it it doesn't strike me as odd that she doesn't have a name. So within a few days she is married off to Maxim de Winter and she is whisked off to England to live in Manderley, his giant mansion. And as it turns out she had picked up a postcard years ago of this beautiful mansion that caught her eye and it was of Manderley. So she's always sort of had this Affinity with the fictional idea. She's had an affinity with a fictional idea of who Maxim de Winter is now, because even though she's met him, she's had so many little fantasies in her head that she's built him up into be something quite different. So she is suddenly married off, and it reminds me quite a bit of the beginning of *Crimson Peak*, although it goes into a completely different area um, where it is a woman living in the shadow of another. It is maxim's ex-wife now dead rebecca who haunts Mandalay, and it's not just that she physically actually haunts the place there's no supernatural bent to this story whatsoever it is her memory that haunts the place the whole place has become hers the maid the butler everybody has this shadow over them that is rebecca and it's just masterfully told now there were some um You know, ups and downs as far as oh this is the retelling of this story or this is a story that was ripped off from that story Um, plagiarism was a word tossed around for a while now i can understand that this is sort of an archetype of the gothic so i can understand how people would kind of suspect that and some of her other stories are very much the prince and the pauper right so she's not like totally 100 percent made of whole cloth here when it comes to the idea for this story but nothing is new under the sun right so i i totally discount ideas of plagiarism or discounting the creativity of this novel in any way because of that i love this story i love the setting i love the people i love the way that people interact because some of the dialogue tags could have been dropped just because i'm not always a big big fan of them but that was the time and that was also the time where some people may stumble over some of the language like we all of us we all three of us when she's describing what a group of people are doing that's just the way that uh writing was done in the 30s right that's the way people spoke so she's reflecting that and i didn't trip over that i really enjoyed it because it helped me step into that era now the narrator herself is a blank slate she is our sounding board for this whole thing she's little more than a set of eyes Mrs. Van Hopper has more character than her in the few minutes that we get to spend with her. Uh, Max De Winter has quite a bit more character although he is a very stoic, very quiet, very well-pressed individual that you can't expect too too much action from. He is little but something that propels the plot to the twist and then he shines at that point. I would have to say that there's nothing really shocking or um like you know terrifying really in this save one scene that terrified me but the the twist comes with such bravado and noise that you can imagine it you can put yourselves in the feet of this easily terrified meek person who is has all of a sudden seen her very quiet stoic reserved husband turn on a dime and become somewhat of a banshee in a moment And it is just a beautiful, beautiful scene. Um, It parallels that beginning scene where it's very slow and creeping and dark. That is a very bombastic moment later on in the novel that is equally dark and brooding. I think brooding sums up Maxim very well. And that brings me to Mrs. Danvers, who everyone, everyone's a Mrs. in this book. Isn't that weird? There's no real Ms. anywhere even Maxim's sister who is a little bit bombastic herself and reminds me of someone like Fergie or one of the girls from Red Handed the pod. Red Handed podcast is a crime podcast as well and they are just some kind of brash British girls that I really appreciate their attitudes and I appreciate their flamboyancy. I even appreciate one of their mispronunciation of every name known to mankind on planet earth but yeah that's who that uh, sister reminds me of. So, very fantastic character construction, and no two are quite alike. Now, Mrs. Danvers, though, there is a scene that did creep me out quite a lot. And there are some creepy things. Like, this is a great big mansion that is populated by memories of this dead woman who. You don't really get to know other than guesstimations, fantasies, ideas that are weird, meek, somewhat unbalanced. There, I said it. She's somewhat unbalanced just by virtue of these fantasies she comes up with in her head 24-7. She would rather spend 20 minutes thinking about what to say in a fantasy land than actually saying anything. Very strange person. I, I really liked her, sure, and I could totally relate to that in many levels, but mrs danvers mrs danvers is sort of locked into that reality being a servant she is the housemaid she is the mistress of the house so to speak she was the personal maid to rebecca uh, this new mrs de winter has her own maid a separate maid but mrs danvers still takes care of the house she doesn't say much and she keeps her place for the most part although she does give the new mrs winter stink eye i suppose is the more popular term nowadays if they had had the term stink eye they would have used it in this book because she is just the personification of stink eye i think that if you look stink eye up in the dictionary you get a reference to mrs danvers or danny as she is called by her friends her one and only friend it seems so mrs danvers does sort of bust out a character in this weird tender creepy moment where it's like she's trying to say I don't hate you but I loved Rebecca and this is why here's her hairbrush it still has her hair in it touch it here's her sweater it still smells like her smell it I smell it every day you know like very fucking weird woman and she like keeps her bedroom as if Rebecca is going to return any minute and this is somewhat of a secret Uh, kept at first that the whole west wing is locked down because that is where mr and mrs the former de winter used to make their home and now they live in the east wing with the new mrs de winter and max so they keep their the lives very very separate from the rebecca the mrs de winter that once was and the new mrs de winter although danny mrs danvers just would love to resurrect rebecca and bury this new woman if she could and it is a terrifying presence that you just assume any minute mrs danvers is going to poison this woman or cut her head off in her sleep or something and it's never really said it's just so artfully done especially with that one scene where she does have the new mrs de winter in the bedroom of rebecca and she's touching her things and having her touch her things and setting her up for a rather embarrassing and terrible terrible moment in the book that really defines that gulf between mrs danvers and the new mrs de winter so i won't go any further in the plot suffice it to say it is masterful if you hadn't read it like i haven't please do what you can it's inexpensive everywhere it seems it's been in reprints it reprints four thousand copies every year or something like that that are sold new like hello it's out there so yeah highly 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 recommended and if you have read it definitely let me know what you think in the comments below i'm trying to keep this spoiler free except for the fact that mrs danvers is a freak and terrifying woman and that the new mrs de winter has some issues most definitely um, I think that it has a brisk pace. I read it as part of Horror in 24, and I had to kind of slow down and read it and just really digest every single word because it's written so beautifully. So I'm going to just kind of power through Red by Jack Ketchum and Survivor Song by Paul Tremblay. Interestingly, there have been a zillion Paul Tremblay interviews and reviews on this new book coming out so i've got about four podcasts to listen to once i'm done so i'm kind of getting excited to finish this horror 24 readathon mostly so i can get to the one group read but hey if you're also participating in horror in 24 let me know in the comments below thank you very much for watching and listening to me talk a little bit about rebecca and how much i loved it and of course horror in 24 readathon there will be a couple more videos of review and wrap up to come so thank you again and make sure that you have an Uki spooky day If you are looking for something new to read, some insight or reviews of horror you have read, or even talk from a writer's perspective, I hope you enjoy this little show. Feel free to check out the YouTube version by searching Typical Books or visit me at lydiapeaver.ca. Thank you and have a dark, devious day.